Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And I'm Kylie. We have the chuckle box. <laughs> the ghost box. Joining us in the ghost box is our firstborn child, Kylie. Chuckles. <laughs> She's here to make <laughs> <a> <laughs> <laughs> It's John. Oh, I mean, it's Kylie Rain. <laughs> Before we get started in this week's episode, let's go ahead and listen to a promo from one of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network shows. Epic history. Like the Greeks are like on the beach. They're like doing burpees or something. <laughs> the Persians sail up. And they've got like. They've got like little spears and pomegranates and stuff. And they're like, hey, want to be part of our cool empire? In-depth commentary. Cutting edge expert drunken analysis. <laughs> two people that you don't know anything about. It's ad hoc history with Asher and Luxa, siblings extraordinaire. Hey, just real quick. Like if you were emperor, would you choose me as second emperor? Uh... <laughs> 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 Next question. Learning. It's not pretty. It's not nice. And if you want to talk about justification for war and all these things, but when you get to how the sausage is actually made, this is it. It's ad hoc history. It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve. Aren't they are so? Aren't they also great? They are. They, they are all amazing. They <laughs> are also great. Apparently, <laughs> Chad and I are having struggles. I just want to tie all my words together. All right. So this week, we have aliens. We have secret underground tunnels. Secret, secret tunnels. tunnels. We have extra uh, and ultra terrestrial phenomena. Do, 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 do. And we have government cover-ups. Government cover-ups. <laughs> and the ultimate disinformation. Disinformation. Asian, 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 Asian. The less you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to dig into... Dulce. Base. But it's not a base. Base, 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 base. 
Dulce Base is the subject of a conspiracy theory revolving around an underground facility jointly operated by humans and aliens. Human. The structure is said to be built under the Archuleta Mesa on the New Mexico-Colorado border near the town of Dulce, New Mexico, which is the Hickoria Apache Reservation. Claims of alien activity and unidentified aerial phenomena first arose from Paul Benowitz. Benowitz became convinced he was intercepting electronic communications from aircraft and installations outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. By the 1980s, he believed he had discovered a secret underground base near Dulce, populated by humans and gray aliens. In 1982, Benowitz published and distributed the, pro- the paper Project Beta. By 1983, popular press began running stories to a wider audience. This spread rapidly through the UFO community, and by May of 1990, ufologist John Lear claimed he had, quote, four independent confirmations, unquote, of the existence of a seven-story underground base near Dulce. Lear was a former pilot and a government man. He was also the son of the inventor of the Lear jet. Lear's allegations contributed to the claims about the existence of the New Mexico alien base. Residents of Dulce claim to have seen UFOs, strange moving lights, and other unexplained phenomena in the area. The town, quote, has embraced the notion of Dulce Base partly in a push to stimulate tourism, said Legislative Council President Ty Vincenti. In 2016, the town hosted the Dulce Base UFO Conference at the hotel and casino. Um, I think they've held it most years, even, uh, well, after COVID yeah. shut down for them, but I think they held it last year, and they're holding it again this year there. I'd go. And in 1986, George Clinton Andrews introduced Dulce Base in his book, Extraterrestrials Among Us. In, 19... <laughs> in 1988, Weekly World News published a story entitled, UFO Base Found in New Mexico. The article claimed that, Diabolical invaders from another solar system have set up secret underground base in the rugged mountains of northern New Mexico, so they can shanghai human guinea pigs for bizarre genetic experiments. I mean, that's a pretty bizarre genetic experience to have human guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are they meaning like, uh, oh, oh, like testing on humans? I thought they made a human guinea pig hybrid. Is it wrong to say I want one? <laughs> <laughs> you can't own people, Amy. But it's Not a, anymore. It's a guinea pig. So what if it has a human head? <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. The article quoted ufologist Leonard Stringfield, who said later, I never read such a distortion of facts in my life. <laughs> in 1990, quote-unquote Paul Schneider wrote about Dulce Base conspiracies. Now, these stories inspired, influenced, and led to many writings and lectures on the subject. Political scientist Michael Barkin, who wrote about Cold War underground missile installations in the area, gave plausibility to the rumors. 
according to Barkin, claims about experiments on abductees and firefights between aliens and the Delta Force. Place the Dulce legend. Well, outside even the most far-fetched reports of secret underground bases. Secret underground bases! (laughs) (laughs) The Dulce Base legends may have also took their inspiration and influence from a series of letters penned in the 1940s between Richard Shaver and science fiction editor Raymond Palmer. Shaver wrote... Shaver? Barely knew her. (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Palmer? I barely knew her! Now that's <laughs> And Shaver wrote of malevolent subterranean beings called the Daros, which piloted disc-shaped spaceships. According to Fred Nodis, who wrote a biography of Raymond Palmer, the letters, quote, specifically highlight details of the supposed underground base near Dulce, New Mexico. As prominent inheritor of the Shaver-Palmer tradition, characterizing Paul Benowitz's story of alien experiment- experimentation as a thorough scene right out of a Shaver story. Unquote. This is quite a rabbit hole, in other words. And I had to hop into the Internet Time Machine, a.k.a. Wayback Machine, a few times to piece it all together. Maybe we will get to most of it in one episode, and maybe we will have to revisit it later. Dulce Base is somewhat the natural successor to Area 51, just much more secret and way more sinister. A place where humans and different alien races might work together to torture, maim, modify, and dissect victims in the service of an interstellar war that the U.S. secretly plays a major role in. That's really (laughs) making an exaggeration of a... How important the U.S. is. <laughs> We're helping with intergalactic war. <laughs> it's really making a mesa out of a molehill, huh? <laughs> and according to legend, the Dulce subterranean base is a seven-story compound that houses human-animal hybrids, human-alien hybrids, and extremely advanced technologies. They also say it was the site of the Dulce Wars. So they could I'm be making... I'm the Dolce Wars. <laughs> Dolce? Dolce Cabana. Fuck there. Cabana didn't make it. <laughs> they make human-animal hybrids, so there could be a human guinea pig. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Professor Whiskers. <laughs> yeah, Professor. <laughs> Come get in the alien bunghole. <laughs> the first claims of the base existence actually goes back to the 1930s and it wasn't until the 1970s when an alien connection was first suspected this was around the time former new mexico state police trooper gabe valdez began documenting unexplained cattle mutilations in the area in a radio interview valdez said the evidence that was left there. You know, predators do not leave gas masks, glow sticks, radar shafts. They don't leave that stuff. I I don't know. I have never... Maybe the mountain lions are better picking up their stuff than the coyotes. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know if you all remember this from our livestock mutilation episode, but... 
cattle mutilations were so widespread in this area that on April 20th, 1979, Senator Harrison Schmidt... Senator, not Sinister. (laughs) Senator Harrison Schmidt... It it works! (laughs) ...of New Mexico and U.S. Attorney for New Mexico, R.E. Thompson, held a conference on livestock mutilation in Albuquerque. And the FBI, in May of 1979, launched... Operation Animal Mutilation. And this is the terrible title. (laughs) Do you remember this at all? Vaguely. Rommel's took the head of it, right? And basically he came to the the conclusion of his, pretty much his bias ring true through the whole thing. He really didn't even do an investigation. He went into it like, no, this is bullshit. And at the end of it, he's like, yep, it's still bullshit. Well, yeah, he took the head. That was part part, part (laughs) of the evidence. Well, we all all know, if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, that episode was the birth of the Werecow. Werecows unite! Who then went on to win the 200th episode cryptid battle. Bozak, Bozak, Bozak. And that makes this part of Valdez's story all the more interesting. (coughs) Because when he did other interviews and spoke of black, silent, sophisticated spacecraft, he also spoke of the discovery of a fetus inside of a dead cow that, quote, looks like a human, a monkey, and a frog, unquote. Valdez appeared on the History Channel show UFO Hunters and elaborated. It didn't have any bones in the head. It was full of water. Valdez speculated the cows were incubating alien babies. I was right! <laughs> They are alien incubation machines. I'm really good at conspiracy theories. (laughs) (laughs) There's truth to the wear count. That's why we had the weird thing happen earlier. Yeah. They know we're on to them. (laughs) Tim Anderson was also a police officer in Dulce that claimed to have seen a UFO over town in the late 1990s. Quote, It lit up the whole valley. And just disappeared into the rocks. I just rubbed my eyes like, did I really see that? Bigfoot sightings are very common here as well. Well, they're a race of alien. Yeah, most attribute it to genetically engineered animal, human, and or alien hybrids. The aforementioned Paul Benowitz became convinced the cattle mutilations were a result of extraterrestrial intervention. And in the 1980s, Valdez and Benowitz teamed up, and the two tracked signals to a location underneath Arcoleta Mesa, just north of the border in Colorado. Did we just become best friends? Uh, yep, we just did. <laughs> Benowitz suspected the communications to be between ground controllers and alien aircraft. Not even a decade later, an incredibly complex mythos had developed around the base, involving a war between a resistance force made up of security personnel, the gray and indigenous reptile alien races, and the tall grays, reptilians, and U.S. military. This revolved around experiments on animals and missing persons that started in 1979. All right, so we have... Missing 411 that we cover. Uh-huh. They go missing in national parks. Yes. The four corner states are some of the most popular states. 
for these to happen. But there's also a lot of national parks in those areas. Yeah. They're collecting them from across the country and putting them in their underground tunnels. Their secret tunnels, if you would. Secret, secret tunnels! And transporting them back to Dulce for aliens to probe and turn into ger- gerbils and... Guinea, guinea pigs. pigs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> now I'm wondering, is the Mammoth Cave, si- cave System natural? Or, or is, is it, it part of the tunnels? Oh. Maybe it spreads all the way to Dulce through the secret tunnels. These tunnels are supposed to spread worldwide. Like, we're supposed to have a direct tunnel to, tunnel to China. Yeah, you just dig straight down. <laughs> you know, that's not how geography works, but that's what I was told all the time as a kid. You're going to dig all the way to China. Yeah. No, I'll end up in the ocean, but thanks. Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, super fast... Like speed trains that run these tunnels, and now there's tunnels that connect all the major countries in the world. The Mariana Trench isn't a trench at all, it's a secret tunnel. Secret underground, secret underwater tunnel! Paul Benowitz was an electronic specialist who in late 1979 began to film, photograph, and electronically intercept communications over the Manzano mountain range near Albuquerque, New Mexico. He traced the activity to the vicinity of the Arcoleta Mesa. Benowitz had prior to this researched cattle mutilations in the region and interviewed civilians who claimed to have been abducted by aliens. As a researcher for the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO for short, based on his research, Benowitz concluded that a deep underground military base, or DUMB, <laughs> D-U-M-B, was likely responsible for the mutilations of livestock and the abduction of civilians. I think someone just misunderstood him. <laughs> I think he was just saying the responsibility, the response, the, yeah, the responsibility of for the mutilations and livestock was just the dumb people, <laughs> and they went, "Oh, you meant that like the, the, the deep underground, deep underground military base?" He's like, "No, I just meant the freaking idiots." <laughs> oh, the intergalactic land <laughs> under the earth. <laughs> sure, you know what? We'll just go with that. We'll just go with dumb. That's. He's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> in 1980, Benowitz submitted his evidence to Kirkland Air Force Base, the Pentagon, and the White House in order to alert officials to the potential threat of alien life on the nearby Monzano nuclear weapons storage area. The Air Force Office of Special Intelligence became involved in investigating Benowitz's claims. This led to a disinformation campaign towards Benowitz. Benowitz's electronic interceptions and field research led him to extensive human rights abuses going on at the Dulce base. Most UFO researchers have concluded that after Benowitz suffered a nervous breakdown in 1987 and the AFOSI disinformation campaign became public knowledge, that Benowitz had been too influenced by disinformation to be taken seriously. See, this takes me back to the Majestic 12. And I cannot remember which guy, the other guy's name was, but remember he went crazy? 
Yeah. And kept getting locked up in different naval mental hospitals mm-hmm. until they finally jumped out the window. Quote, unquote, jumped, jumped out, out the a window. window that didn't open? Yeah. 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 Interesting. And, and prior to this, the strongest support for Benowitz's claims were the number of individuals claiming to be whistleblowers and former employees of corporations performing a variety of contracts working at or near the Dulce base. Big bread and big dairy. <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of the many reoccurring themes of their statements is a very violent conflict in 1979 between U.S. military and ETs, which led to a significant number of fatalities. E.T., fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, Benowitz's evidence provided an example of how money siphoned from the economy into black budget programs related to E.T. presence. Estimated at this time to be as high as $1.1 trillion annually, might be being distributed. Well, that's like pocket change to the government. I was running some numbers earlier to kind of get my head around this. And I came up with, to spend a trillion dollars in a year, you would have to spend $31,709 per second. Or $2.7 billion per day. I wish I had that kind of money. <laughs> In fact, that's a little bit too much. I, I mean... A little too much? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I could spend a million dollars in a day. Yeah, I could. I could take part less of that budget. <laughs> and a trillion seconds is about thirty-one thousand years. Maybe That's I just need to convince the government that if they give me a billion dollars a year, I'll research alien phenomena. Then they won't pay you, and they'll just do a different information act and. Make you go crazy, but I would and save then them so you'll much jump money. out of a window that doesn't exist. I would save them so much money. I only want a billion a year. Hell, a million a year. I'll take a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is it's one point one trillion dollars. So, you know, they're spending a million dollars on the research and the rest of it on trying to make the base look fake. Yes. And- <laughs> Trying to recreate the weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The weapons. The weapons. The weapons. The yeah. All came from Pear. <coughs> no. Did not come from Pear, Dean. <laughs> we look French. <laughs> the Germans. That's why all the Germans go missing in the forest. <laughs> yeah. They get hired. That's that's what it is. They get hired to work at Dulce. And they're not really going missing, but they have to disappear. Hitler's like, oh, you want a mine? <laughs> Come work for me. <laughs> You're still alive? Kinda. I'm just a head on a guinea pig. <laughs> I call that Professor Whiskers. <laughs> Professor Whiskers, it's time for your trip up the bungle. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I should have stayed in. I forgot what fucking uh, fucking country they were supposedly moved to. Antarctica. Yeah, Antarctica. Oh, there's tunnels that lead there too. I'm tired of tunnels. <laughs> Trump have, likes this too much. I have passed the bud bog of the tunnel stench one too many times. <laughs> 
Um, <clears throat> I can't help but picture now a guinea pig <laughs> with antlers. <laughs> <laughs> Run the maze, bitch. (laughs) 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 They just have him powering the whole thing by running (laughs) the (laughs) wheel. Oh, God. I think Hitler (laughs) Jerk. Hitler, Hitler, guinea pig, should start becoming a regular guest on the show, too. (laughs) Well, let's call him Professor Whiskers. Professor Whiskers, yes. And only those who have listened to this episode will know who Professor Whiskers is. (laughs) And why he has a German accent. (laughs) After listening to these transmissions for a while which much later were said to have actually been Air Force intelligence or NSA agents beaming these transmissions into his equipment for their disinformation campaign, Benowitz then created a communication system to speak back to the aliens. Poor guy, they're just fucking with him. Mm-hmm. Benowitz began to track the electronic frequencies that were implanted in previous abductees and conduct interviews with them. After years of research, his report, Project Beta, was ready. I have no idea what happened to Project Alpha. But Project Beta summarized the evidence collected, intercepted, and communicated. He sent this to prominent UFO research groups, military intelligence agencies, and even a copy to the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. According to the Dulce Report, the Beta Report consisted of... 1. Two years continuous recorded electronic surveillance and tracking with DF 24 hours a day data of alien ships plus 6,000 feet motion picture of same. Two, detection and disassembly of alien communication and video channels, both. Three, constant reception of video from alien ship and underground base view screen, typical alien, humanoid, and at times, apparent homo sapien. Four, a case history of an encounter victim in New Mexico which led to the communications link and discovery that apparently all encounter victims have deliberate alien implants along with obvious accompanying scars. The victim's CAT scan? Five other cases were verified. Five, Establish constant direct communication with the alien using a computer and forum of hexadecimal code communication was instigated, apparently. 6. Through the alien communication loop, the true underground base location. I'm not going to lie, but I totally read that as the, the, he sent them the victim's cat. <laughs> I read the victim's cat can. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Oh, they found Stalin! (laughs) (laughs) So so they just sent Hitler and Stalin up in the maze and just let them go. (laughs) (laughs) Professor Whistakers and... I didn't come up with a name for Stalin. Sorry. (laughs) He said it's for the cat can, and I was like... Professor Whiskers and Lieutenant Butthole. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of stuff to send. Um, all this gathered, all this evidence he gathered pointed to the existence of an underground base at Dulce used by ET races. 
One of the abductees Benowitz communicated with, named uh, Myrna Hansen, went under hypnotic regression with Dr. Leo Sprinkle from the (laughs) University of Wyoming. It's all it is, Dr. Sprinkle. (laughs) (laughs) Under hypnosis, she claimed her and her son was abducted in 1980 and taken inside Dulce Base. She described humans in cold storage tanks and large vats filled with the remains of cattle and human parts. Benowitz also revealed in his Project Beta report the following information. The total alien base area apparently contains several cultures, all under the designation Unity, and is approximately 3 kilometers wide by 6 kilometers long, and is located in the middle of nowhere on the... Uh, Yakaria Indian Reservation west of Dulce, New Mexico. Based on the number of ships presently in this area, the total op- alien population is estimated to be at least 2,000, and most likely more. Unquote. In an official report signed by Major Thomas Kse, C-S-E-H, Kse, yeah. <laughs> on October 28, 1980, and later released under the Freedom of Information Act. Quote, On 26 October 80, Special Agent Doty, with the assistance of Jerry Miller, GS-15, Chief Scientific Advisor for Air Force Test and Evaluation Center, KAFB, interviewed Dr. Benowitz at his home in the Four Hills section of Albuquerque, which is adjacent to the northern boundary of Mazano Base. Dr. Benowitz has been conducting independent research into aerial phenomena for the last 15 months. Dr. Benowitz also produced several electronic recording tapes allegedly showing high periods of electrical magnetism being emitted from the Monzano Coyote Canyon area. Dr. Benowitz also produced several photos of flying objects taking over the general Albuquerque area. He has several pieces of electronic surveillance equipment pointing at Manzano and is attempting to record high-frequency electrical beam pulses. Dr. Benowitz claims these aerial objects produce these pulses. After analyzing the data collected by Dr. Benowitz, Mr. Miller related the evidence clearly shows that some type of unidentified aerial objects were caught on film. However, no conclusion could be made whether these objects pose a threat to Monzano Coyote Canyon areas. Unquote. The Doty mentioned here, the special agent Doty, is Richard Doty, who has also came out public since the publication of this report, and was a speaker of many UFO conferences, and even appeared on numerous documentaries and was interviewed on Coast to Coast. I'm not sure if we will get to his interviews and stuff, but he got close with Benefit. He got close with Benowitz and even tried to warn him in the end. By August 1988, Benowitz was accusing his wife of being in control of the extraterrestrials. After attempting to barricade himself in his home using sandbags, his family admitted him to the mental health unit of Presbyterian Anna Caseman Hospital. He remained under observation there for one month. On July 1st, 1989, Mutual UFO Network Conference. Oh, on July 1st, 1989, at the Mutual UFO Network Conference, a prominent 
UFO specialist by the name of William Moore caused an uproar when he openly declared that in 1982 he had been co-opted into the effort against Benowitz and began passing information about Benowitz's activities to AFOSI and also had a role in feeding disinformation to Benowitz. Asshole. Moore described the events as follows. When I first ran into the disinformation operation, being run on Benowitz, it seemed to me I was in a rather unique position. There I was, with my foot, in the door of a secret counterintelligence game that gave every appearance of being somehow directly connected to a high-level government UFO project. And by judging the position of the people I knew to be directly involved with it, it definitely had something to do with national security. There was no way I was going to allow the opportunity to pass me by without learning at least something about what was going on. I would play the disinformation game, get my hands dirty just often enough to lead those directing the process into believing I was doing exactly what they wanted me to do. And all while continue to borrow my way into the matrix so as to learn as much as possible about who was directing it and why. So he claims that he was being a double agent in this whole game. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I don't know. Can't trust him. Yeah. Well, if he's telling the truth, you can't trust him because he's a double agent. Yeah. And if he's not telling the truth, you can't trust him because he's not telling the truth. Yeah. So he put himself in a situation that... That's most people's opinion of uh, former special agent Richard Doty as well. But the strategy of AFOSI was to suggest that the most egregious aspects of Benowitz's claims, you know, the human abductees used for experiments and food sources, was disinformation, rather than accurate reports of the nature of the ET presence in the northern New Mexico area. Moore argued that by the time he met Benowitz in 1982, the bulk of his information was already disinformation fed to him by AFOSI. Many researchers despaired at these revelations. The dominant view was that Benowitz was definitely on to something, but had succumbed to beliefs that discredited his early and most per- persuasive work. One researcher claimed that the disinformation was passed on through the intercepted communications. Quote, Where the truth began and ended in the information collected by Benowitz is debatable, but one thing is without doubt true. The content of the intercepted messages certainly caused Benowitz to become a paranoid and deluded man who eventually suffered a colossal nervous breakdown in 1985. The intensity of his investigation along with the official's response had a very heavy toll on Benowitz. He later withdrew from any public discussion of the Dulce base and ended his involvement with UFO research. In 1990, the Benowitz story was featured in Howard Bloom's book, Out There, The Government's Quest for Extraterrestrials. Bloom publicized that the government had sent undercover agents to befriend and mislead Benowitz using counterfeit documents. Paul Benowitz died on June 23, 2003. He was buried at Santa Fe National Cemetery. Despite his controversial withdrawal from the UFO scene, 
Benowitz's credibility as electronics genius was not at question, and the extensive database of films, photos, and electronic communications data before the disinformation operations began is thought to be powerful evidence that something was occurring around the Arcoleta Mesa. I just, I don't know. I don't think these agents really needed to do that. They could have just went to him and said, like, dude, you make cool electronic shit, and yeah, you can listen in on to our, our secret government stuff. You need to stop. <laughs> they didn't have to feed him all this bullshit about aliens and get him all crazy and paranoid. Or hey, say, hey, I can offer you a lucrative job. You want to see what's really going on down there? Yeah, yeah. And um, I can't remember the name of the company. It was like Thunder Electronics or something like that. It's a, it's a very successful company that's still in business. Interesting. Uh, I can't remember the name of it though. Yeah. But so a number of whistleblowers came forward to give further testimony of the existence of the base and of ETs committing human rights violations on abducted civilians. We will move on to Com- Thomas Costello a security guard who claimed to have direct contact with human and alien workers and had knowledge of horrific experiments on captives. Then discuss Phil Schneider, who gave a detailed testimony about his work on the seven-level base, which extends two miles underneath the ground. Thomas Costello is an interesting character. I agree. Uh, some could view him as a hero. Some could view him as a delusional man. But his story is pretty uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, if he existed. Yes, there's no proof <laughs> that he did. There are many illustrations of Dulce Vase's layout, which has an increasing military presence and horrific sights the deeper one goes into it. Each floor is designated for specific research or function. Some diagrams point out where the greys and reptilians are segregated into different housing units. On the sixth floor, nicknamed Nightmare Hall, the screams of human beings experimented on echo through the corridors. Now this is one one reason why I believe that this is a very possible government base. And that is solely that there are three levels of this base that are government offices. <laughs> and if there's one thing All we know the about the government, they like paperwork. <laughs> you forgot to file your paperwork again. <laughs> Just imagine being on this, and all you are is just a mail carrier for the offices. <laughs> yeah. Every day you just roll your cart by each office, handing out the mails. Hey, click up. Uh, here's yours. Uh. <coughs> well, you know, there's some floors that humans aren't allowed on. There's some floors <laughs> aliens aren't allowed on. <laughs> Keep the bills. <laughs> Did you bring me a million dollars? Just a trillion. This is. That was one thing I was I learned about was that there's three floors of government offices, and I was like, "Yep, that sounds like military installation." <laughs> so Thomas Casello, who claimed to work as a security guard at the facility, added depth and detail to the existing story, bringing up underground caverns occupied for centuries by reptilians, 
which were taken over by the Rand Corporation for use by the New World Order to create biological weapons. <laughs> he spoke of fleets of alien ships stored at Los Alamos and of vast systems of tunnels running under the entire country. He also gave details of his fraternization with a reptilian named Karshfasht. <laughs> Y'all want to try to pronounce that? Karshfasht. But, uh... Cars fascist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was one thing, too, that a lot of the reptilians that work in the base are terrestrial reptilians. And the terrestrial and the inter- or extraterrestrial reptilians no like each other. Yeah. And then none of you them... You took her down! <laughs> and none of them like the greys. Poor Grace. Yeah. Poor Grace. There's a lot of there's a lot of alien racism. Oh yeah, I mean, according to this, they're segregated into different housing units and Yeah, some are not allowed in certain areas and they don't fraternize with yeah. each other. So Thomas Casello claims to have served in the US Air Force specializing in military photography and video monitoring. Some of his background is as follows, and I am reading this from the Dulce Report by Dr. Michael E. Sala, published in 2003. In 1961, Costello was a young sergeant stationed at Nellis Air Force Base near Las Vegas, Nevada. His job was as a military photographer with top-secret clearance. He later transferred to West Virginia where he trained in advanced intelligence photography. He worked inside an undisclosed underground installation, and due to the nature of his new assignment, his clearance was upgraded to TS-4. He remained with the Air Force as a photographer until 1971, at which time he was offered a job with Rand Corporation as a security technician. And so he moved to California where Rand had a major facility, and his security clearance was upgraded to Ultra-3. In 1977, Thomas was transferred to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where his pay was raised significantly and his security clearance was again upgraded, this time to Ultra 7. His new job was as a photo security specialist in the Dulce installation, where his, spe- where his job specification was to maintain, align, and calibrate video monitoring cameras throughout the underground complex and to escort visitors to their destinations, unquote. In 1987, Castallo released 30 photos, a video, and a set of papers called the Dulce Papers to UFO researchers. These items supported the claims of a joint U.S. government extraterrestrial base at Dulce, but they did not prove it. As of 1987, this was the best solid evidence to provide support to Benowitz's conclusions, though. The Dulce papers describe genetic experimentation, development of extraterrestrial hybrids, use of mind control through computers, cold storage of humans in liquid-filled vats, and even the use of human body parts as a nutritional source for ET races. The papers made it seem as though humans were used as little more than laboratory animals by ET races working directly with different U.S. government agencies and U.S. corporations. These were suspected of being funded by the so-called Black Budget. 
those not familiar with the term black budget, essentially what it refers to is the Pentagon is given a certain budget, and if it goes over this budget, which it has every year since at least 1996, the last time it was audited, they just call it the black budget. On average, the black budget is around $50 billion. So these papers, if they were genuine, would be massive human rights violations on a scale not seen in recent history. You imagine if you had a black budget, you start overdrawing your account. I could be spending that billion dollars a year. <laughs> no, I mean just like with what you like if you just like could go to the bank and they'd be like, you know, you're like $5,000 overdrawn and you're like, that's all right. That's my black budget. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll get more money next that's year. That's the Don't game worry. that I play with my bank anyway. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, you do understand that you're a hundred dollars overdrawn. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess by this definition, I guess the United States Postal Service has a black budget as well because yeah. we've been operating in the black for oh about a decade or more. <laughs> After all, the aliens work. <laughs> it is according to the Men in Black. <laughs> Thomas Costello claimed to have worked as a senior security officer at the base before quitting after a military confrontation that occurred in 1979 between U.S. military personnel, security guards, and resident ETs. This has been dubbed the Dulce Wars. Many whistleblowers and UFO researchers have described similar incidents that substantiate many of Costello's claims. We will try to get to them all. <laughs> Between Costello's resignation in 1979 and the release of the Dulce Papers in 1986, Costello gave a number of interviews and corresponded with UFO researchers before he just up and vanished. Costello's claims are also found within the book, The Dulce Wars by Branton, which compiled material that was circulated on the internet many years ago. Any confirmation of Costello's employment, military service, educational background, or existence has not been possible. There's many reasons for this. Maybe he was using a pseudonym. It's possible the public records were destroyed, or they are not being disclosed and as such aren't public records. Sounds like Bob Lazar. Or an even out there theory is the possibility Costello was a bogus identity created by an intelligence officer to disseminate disinformation that would steer UFO researchers and the general public away from genuine military-related projects. Sure. <laughs> or he could just be another Terry R. Wrist. <laughs> Bob Lazar. I just said his name. Dr. Michael Wolf. And a few others have made claims that after you work on secret projects and become a whistleblower, records can get classified. Bob Lazar, for example, couldn't even get a copy of his birth certificate at the hospital he was born at. None of his employment records, nor records from the schools and colleges he attended. See, that is what happens to the missing persons. They come down and they disappear. UFO researchers Branton and William Hamilton had personally met Costello and can vouch for his existence and credibility. That is, if you believe them, of course. Costello claimed that the humans employed at the base consisted of scientists, security personnel, and employees from various corporations servicing military contracts. There were four extraterrestrial races he claimed worked for and lived at Dulce. 
the standard short grays from Zeta Reticuli, which were about four foot tall. The tall grays from Rigel, or Ryan, which were around seven feet tall. A reptilian species that was native to Earth, and a reptilian species that was from either Orion or the Draco star system. These ranged from six to eight feet tall. Castilla referred to the indigenous reptilians as the working caste, and were led by a winged reptilian species that were from Dracos or from Orion. He said the short greys were subservient to the Draco reptilians. Costello said one of his primary job functions was to sort out any security issues between the resident ETs and the human employees. So when Glurk and Vlark got into fights, he had to go break it up and... That's what it sounds like. So he was a babysitter. Yeah. Um, he described some of his job functions and the ET hierarchy after being asked by Branton about how he communicated with these aliens. Since I was senior security technician at the base, I had to communicate, the, communicate with them on a daily basis. If there were any problems that involved security or video cameras, I was the one they called. It was the reptilian working case that usually did the physical labor in the lower levels of Dulce. Decisions involving the case were usually made by a white Draco. When human workers caused problems for the working case, the reptoids went to the white Dracono Draconian boss, and the Draco called me. At times, I felt like it was a never-ending problem. Several, several human workers resented the... No no nonsense or get back to work attitude of the working case live by. When needed, intervention became a vital tool. The biggest problems were human workers who foolishly wandered around the quote unquote off limits area of the alien section. I guess it's human nature to be curious and wonder what's past the barriers. Too often someone found a way to bypass the barriers and nose around. The cameras near the entrance usually stopped them before they got themselves into serious trouble. A few times, I had to formally request the return of a human worker. Formally request the return of a human <laughs> worker. Can we please have our human worker back? <laughs> Can we please get Bob back? Uh, the toilet's been stopped up for a week now. Um, no! <laughs> he trespassed! <laughs> He's got a lot of paperwork to fill out, man. i got to get him back on level three so that he can take that paperwork to level two. And then have the carbon copied on level one. Oh, so you're trying to say you're trying to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that as a member of the working case. <laughs> so Costello outlined that the different projects at Dulce involved reverse engineering of ET technology, development of mind control methods, and genetic experiments involving cloning and creating human ET hybrids. These projects were scattered among the seven levels of the Dulce base. The ETs occupied levels five through seven. These lower levels were described as an extremely old series of natural caverns that had been used in the past by different ET races. He said of the origin of the caverns. Nature started the caverns. The Draco, reptilian humanoids, used the caverns and tunnels for centuries. Later, later through, Rand, the, through Rand Corporation plans, it was enlarged repeatedly. The original caverns included ice caves and sulfur springs. 
and the aliens found perfect for their needs. When asked how command was shared between the U.S. government and the E.T. races, Costello said, The worker case, reptilians, does the daily chores, mopping the latex floors, cleaning the cages, bringing food to the hungry people and other species. It is their job to formulate the proper mixture for the type 1 and type 2 beings of the Draco race the Draco race has created the working case work at the labs as well as at the computer banks basically speaking the reptilian race are the are active at all level, levels of dulce base there are, there are several different races of aliens that work in the on the east section of level 6 this section is commonly called the alien section are the dracos are the undisputed masters of five, six, and seven levels. The humans are second in command of those levels. Costello witnessed the products of the trans-species genetic experiments in the sixth level of the facility. He was disturbed when he found out humans were used as laboratory animals in the lowest levels, where they were placed in cold storage, used as test subjects in mind control program, and used in genetic experiments. Costello wrote, Level number seven is worst. Row after row of thousands of humans and human mixtures in cold storage. Here, too, are embryo storage vats of humanoids in various stages of development. I frequently, frequently encountered humans in cages, usually dazed or drugs, drugged, but sometimes they cried out and begged for help. Costello was told in his initial briefing that the humans suffered various forms of insanity and were being subjected to a range of medical procedures and mind control designated to treat insanity. There were signs hung about that said, This site does high-risk advanced medical and drug testing to cure insanity. Please never speak to the inmates. It can destroy years of work. Costello said of this, I'm sensible. When doctors say don't speak to them, who was I to destroy the delicate situation? But one man somehow caught my eye. He repeatedly stated that he was George S. And he had been kidnapped. And he was for sure someone was searching for him. I don't know why he sticks in my mind. I found I was remembering his face. Thinking he sure didn't look or sound insane. But many inmates, inmates said that. The next weekend, I convinced a friend of mine, a cop, to run a check on the guy, saying I had run in with him and was curious. I didn't mention the base at all. It was, sickening, it was a sickening feeling when the computer confirmed that George S. was missing. It was this realization that led to Costello's decision to join a small number of base personnel in helping to free the trapped humans. It was another security officer who came to me saying he had some lab workers wanted he and some lab workers wanted an off-duty meeting at one of the tunnels off the record. Curiosity took over and I said okay. That night about 9 men showed up. They said they knew that they were risking me turning them in, but they wanted to show me some things that they thought I should see. One by one, they showed records that proved many inmates were missing people. 
there were newspaper clippings and even photos that they had somehow smuggled into the base. They hoped to smuggle them back out without me. Oh, they hoped to smuggle them back out without me turning them into the honchos. Without turning them into the honchos. I could see the fear in their faces as they spoke. One man stated he would rather lose his life by trying than lose his soul by not doing anything at all. It was that remark that turned the tide. I told them about George and the things I'd found out about him. After a few hours, we pledged to attempt to expose Dulce Base. Costello described how reptilians from the worker case joined their cause. Costello described how the Delta Force attempted to destroy the resistance movement. Ultimately, it ended when the military assault was initiated via the exit via the exit tunnels and they executed anybody on their list humans or reptilian we fought back but none of the working case had weapons nor did the human lab workers only the security force and a few computer workers had flash guns it was a massacre everyone was screaming and running for cover the halls and the tunnel were as full as possible we believe that the delta it was the delta force because the uniforms and the method that they used that chose to hit at shift change in an effort to kill as many as names on the list. Costello resigned and smuggled photos and videos out with him to distribute to the general public. See, he's either a hero or... How did he survive? Yeah, that would be a question too. Makes me sound like think he turned them in. Yeah. Mm. How do they get a list of people? Mind control, mind reading. One thing that they did that, well, one of the things that Costello had reported was that every day you got a new ID badge to go in. And they weighed you every day as you went in and as you were leaving to make sure you weren't taking things in or bringing things out. So he had to smuggle these out inmate style? Mm. All these documents and... Videos and mm-hmm. photos. In his prison wallet. In his prison wallet. <laughs> I find it interesting at one point he refers to these people as inmates. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's a kind of a weird quote to use. <laughs> they would be patients if they were actually, yeah. you know. But even at or that. Or victims <laughs> with the way he's that, talking about if it. If you were being told that these people were being held in an underground base to cure insanity. And you're okay with that? You didn't think that through. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not going to hold people and perform all these scientific things on them in today's culture. I'm just saying, it's like, well, how do you know they're insane? We keep talking about they're seeing aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I saw Hitler. Guinea pig. It was the 80s, I guess. <laughs> Let's turn to another former employee that substantiates the Dulce underground base hypothesis. Phil Schneider brought Benowitz, Costello, and Lear's claims out of the fringes with his public speeches and bizarre stories about the alleged base. Schneider, a former government employee, explosives expert, and structural engineer, gave detailed testimony about the Dulce War. 
telling of how his men found an enclave of gray aliens and the resulting conflict leading to the death of 66 military personnel and Secret Service agents and himself being injured traumatically in the fight. Now, now we brought up earlier about like Lazar and Costello having their records wiped and stuff. Mm-hmm. Schneider's never were. You can look up his social security number, see all the places he worked for, like all his records are public information. So they were never white, which I thought was interesting. He sounds like a disinformation agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Sh- I don't know. He's. Uh, well, let's let Dave tell the story. So Schneider became a popular speaker on the UFO circuit in the mid-90s, making an enormous amount of incredibly wild allegations, including a trillion-dollar U.S. military budget, a one-world government conspiracy, 11 distinct races of aliens, his father, Otto Oscar Schneider, being a former Nazi and U-boat captain until being captured and recruited by naval intelligence under Operation Paperclip. Told ya. His father being involved with the Philadelphia Experiment. That Area 51 existed, and the U.S. government was testing experimental aircraft there. That Dulce Base is only one of 129 hidden underground facilities in the United States. So back in 1995, this seemed outrageous. But in 2023, we know some of these things are somewhat true, or have been said to be true by the same government that denied them back in the 80s and 90s. Yep. I mean, we did an extensive episode on Area 51 and every plane they tested there. (laughs) Yes, and um, Project Paperclip did exist. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I believe that wasn't public information back then. Um, We have covered the Philadelphia Experiment Aftermath. Multiple times <laughs> in um, our Montauks. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I think the U.S. military budget for 2023 this year was only like maybe $800 billion, though. I don't know if it's ever reached a trillion before. No, they got the black budget. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, including <laughs> the black budget. Like, their given budget is like $800 billion, But, they, I mean, they always go over their budget, so... I wish it worked that way. I wish you could do that. I am going to take this moment to point out that from the Denver airport, if you go south on the swastika and you then go to the west, which would be the way that it would go. Uh um, Towards Area 51. Towards Area 51. Just north of that. (laughs) Just north of Albuquerque there. Is Dulce. <laughs> uh, he should have took a left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> so it, it totally um, lines up with the, uh, the swastika. swastika yeah. I'm telling you, turbans are behind all this shit. Come and pass the whiskers now. <laughs> so shortly after beginning a series of public lectures revealing the activities at underground bases he helped construct... And the role of extraterrestrial races in infiltrating national governments. He was found dead in his apartment seven months later in January of 1996. Circumstances surrounding his death and his autopsy led many to declare he was murdered. Murdered. So he was found unalived, was he? He was. Um, they said that it was suicide. 
He was found in his apartment, and he had surgical tubing from his catheter because he was also um, in stage four cancer and wheelchair bound, wrapped around his neck, I think it was three times, and tied. You also have to picture this man only has like two fingers on each hand. Yeah. Because he lost his fingers. And I don't know, it seems like a strange way to commit suicide, especially because... Like, I saw a list of the medications he had next to him, because from what he's going through, and any one of those he could have overdosed and died on, you know, and well, just and went to sleep. Didn't he at one point state mm-hmm. that if he's ever found dead and they tell, tell, tell and they say it was suicide, they're lying? Oh, numerous times. Because that, that wouldn't be something he would do. And I mean, the only thing I could see, I mean, some of these claims he made, like these allegations he made, I mean, as we know, some some of them were true. Yeah. Especially the Area 51 stuff. So I don't know. I mean, we were also working with drones at Area 51 at the time, mm-hmm. which is something we did not want uh, foreign nations to know about yeah. at all. Interesting. But let's talk about the Dulce War. The precise cause of the confrontation remains unclear. However, we have various testimonies that involved a significant number of fatalities, including U.S. military personnel, Dulce security guards, and E.T. races. According to Costello, the conflict began a result of the growth of a resistance movement between both security guards and sympathetic ETs that wanted to help imprisoned humans in the ET-only sections of the base. This culminated in a hundred elite Delta Force military personnel sent in to eradicate the resistance. To eradicate the resistance movement that began to threaten established security procedures at the joint base. This force suffered a number of fatalities and inflicted heavy casualties upon both residents, ETs, and base security. This conflict has been reported by other whistleblowers, including Phil Schneider, who worked as a geological engineer in the area of Dulce Base, as well as other underground bases around the globe. Schneider gave the following statement in his background and the confrontation in 1995. To give you an overview of basically what I am, I started off and went through engineering school. Half of my school was in that field, and I built up a reputation for being a geological engineer, as well as a structural engineer with both military and aerospace applications. I have helped build two main bases in the United States that I have some significance as far as what is called the New World Order, AUN run World secretly controlled by tall gray ETs. The first base is one of at Dulce, New Mexico. I was involved in 1979 in a firefight with alien humanoids, and I was one of the survivors. I am probably the only only talking survivor you will ever run hear. You will ever hear. Two other survivors are under close guard. I am the only one left that knows the details. Detailed files of the entire operation. 66 Secret Service agents, FBI, Black Berets, and the like, 
died in that firefight. I was there. Schneider describes the cause of the 1979 confrontation as little more than an accident that arose from drilling for a planned extension of the Dulce base. I was involved in building an additional addition to the deep underground military base of Dulce, which is probably the deepest base. It goes down seven levels, or over 2.5 miles deep. At that particular time, we had drilled four distinct holes in the desert, and we were going to link them together and blow out large sections at a time. My job was to go down the holes and check the rock samples and recommend the explosives to deal with a particular rock. As I was headed down there, we found ourselves amidst a large cavern that was full of outer space aliens, otherwise known as large greys. I shot two of them. At the time, there were 30 people down there, and about 40 more came after this started, and all of them got killed. We had surprised, we had surprised the whole underground base of existing aliens. Later, we found out they had been living on our planet for a long time. This could have explained a lot of what is behind the theory of ancient astronauts. Holy shit. <coughs> ancient aliens was right. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> so a distinct difference between Costello and Schneider's versions is that Schneider did not refer to the underground base as a joint facility. He described it as a seven-level U.S. military facility that had been built on top of an ancient E.T. base. He believed his job was to extend the already existing base rather than attacking E.T. races for an undisclosed purpose. This suggests, if true, that Snyder was only partly informed of the true nature of his mission and what might be going on in the lower levels of the alleged base. Possibly a more likely scenario was that Schneider was there to assist military forces to access the lowest levels of the facility where the resistance had dug in. I was about to say, was the 30 people he met the resistance trying to escort humans out and he just started firing because he wasn't told about aliens down there? Right. And sometime in 1993, Schneider had became more convinced of a plot by the tall greys to take over and control the United Nations, and he quit working for various corporate clients that serviced military contracts. Now, I will say, that's the first I've heard of the tall greys wanting to take over Yeah. for the New World Order. I've always heard of it as the reptilians. Reptilians. Well, it's because the reptilians are already have already taken over the well, have world new world order. So now the tall grades want to come in and take that over. So, mm, or are the tall grades under the mind control of the reptilians? No, that's, that's the small grades. That's the small grades. Are the reptilians under control of the tall grades? Who are controlled by the small grades? Who are then controlled by the reptilians? Oh man! Who are in control of the internet? In- Inter- it's controlception. <laughs> and where are the Nordics in all this? Are they in like over everyone? Just like the Nordics well, are just watching, like the Nordics are supposed uh, to be the we'll head have of the to stop at some order. point. Oh yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be the head of the intergalactic order. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they have conspiracies about a one government universe. <laughs> like we have conspiracies <laughs> of a one government world. <laughs> The Nordics are trying to run it all. Yeah. 
That's okay. They can. I'm just picturing the Nords as like the Sith and like the Empire and Star Wars. <laughs> Pleiadians unite. Well, we know Amy's joining the Sith. <laughs> Join us. One of us. Well, it's joining. The hate flow through you. Or it's either that or be eaten by reptilians. Me. I guess I did say I wanted to die by dragon. <laughs> yeah, we have said that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, Schneider, he does sound like... You, it's. There's always a lot of nepotism, right? Yeah. So if his his father worked for, like, naval intelligence, yeah, he would get him this cushy government job as, oh, yeah. like, an explosive expert and an engineer <laughs> making, like, six figures. and. Mm-hmm. I could totally see it. And, I mean, like I said... Uh, you can go through his work history. It's it's public information. I'd also like to question, if you're digging a hole in the ground, what would be your need to take a gun down in the hole with you if you're pretty much thinking you're just drilling into rock? Hmm. That's a good question. He could be from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you can have my gun when you pull it from my cold dead hands. I think he does mention that, that it was odd that they wanted him to be armed for this one. Because I think he said that the contractors gave him the gun. Hmm. I would say being working with military, they may have him. Because he didn't think it was too odd to have military personnel there. Yeah. Because that's pretty standard on the jobs he does. But I just... When it was like all I, I the things you would have with you when you yeah. went down in a hole that you thought was just rock. Down I, in a hole. I would think maybe a flashlight. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't listened to all his interviews. He he did several. He's of done them. several. He's. I've watched several of his interviews just when watching documentaries from Mufon. And and he only held interviews for I think six or seven months. Yeah. Before he died. Before he was medded. He seemed like a pretty down-to-earth guy when he talked, though. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, another whistleblower that lends credence to the possibility of a firefight uh, was Dr. Michael Wolf. Wolf's book, Catcher of Heavens, describes a firefight between ETs and elite mil- U.S. military forces that occurred in 1975 at Groom Lake. The Nevada facility, more popularly known as Area 51. Do you know who doesn't like Dr. Wolf? Dr. Sprinkles. (laughs) 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 And this is an excerpt from Catchers of Heaven. The Gray Shed, certain of their technology advanced with the military slash intelligence scientists. Apparently often, while prisoners, quote, guests... Within the secure underground military installation in Nevada and New Mexico, the extraterrestrials have given the U.S. government some of their anti-gravity craft and huge amounts of fuel. Element 115. On May 1st, 1975, during one such technology exchange in Nevada, a demonstration of small ET antimatter reactor the lead gray asked the colonel in charge of the Delta Force guarding the ETs to remove their rifles and bullets from the room so they would not accidentally discharge during the energy admissions. The guards refused, and the ensuing commotion, a guard opened fire on the grays. One, a- 
one alien, two scientists, and 41 military personnel were killed. One guard was left alive to attest that the ETs apparently used directed military uh, mental energy in self-defense to kill the other attacking Delta Force. Dr. Wolf states that the incident ended certain exchanges with the Greys. And I'm sorry, I misread that. This isn't from the book Catcher of Heaven. This is from the Dulce Report. Uh-huh. Um, but in both cases, a significant number of U.S. military personnel are killed. Maybe Wolf was narrating an entirely different conflict, or the same one with some inaccuracies to hide the true nature and location of the conflict. Uh, there's also a lot of notable differences, like they were exchanging prisoner guests rather than sharing joint base facilities with the U.S. But another whistleblower that revealed evidence of a joint government ET base in the Dulce conflict was Bob Lazar. Lazar claimed he worked at the S-4 Nevada facility in 1988, reverse engineering the propulsion and power system of an advanced aircraft. In an interview, he described his background thusly. I have two master's degrees, one in physics, one in electronics. I wrote my thesis on MHD, which is magnetohydronomics. I worked at Los Alamos for four year, for a few years as a technician, then as a physicist in polarized proton section, dealing with the accelerator there. I was hired as four as a senior staff physicist to work on gravitational propulsion systems and whatnot associated with those crafts. Lazar claimed that in his briefing prior to working at the facility, he was required to read 200 pages of documents in preparation for his job. He recalled that the documents mentioned a battle between ETs and humans at a secret base in 1979. He recalled the conflict was caused by a security guard that tried to smuggle a weapon in the ET area, and it resulted in fatal wounds to security personnel. According to the Dulce report, In sum, the strongest evidence for Benowitz's claims regarding the Dulce base came from Thomas Costello's testimony of his employment and defection from the Dulce underground base after witnessing human rights abuses. Testimony of Phil Schneider, who was directly involved in the Dulce firefight. Important parallels with Michael Wolf's revelation of a firefight that may have occurred four years earlier at another underground base in Nevada, and his admission of having worked at Dulce. Bob Lazar's recollection of a writing briefing disclosing a 1979 firefight between ETs and security personnel at a secret base, and the reports of abductees who underwent hypnotic regression and whose testimonies are recorded in the book, The Dulce Wars. Furthermore, the disinformation campaign instigated against Benowitz and the mysterious death of Schneider after his going public on the existence of secret underground facilities both lend circumstantial support to the view that there was significant basis to whistleblower claims concerning the existence of the Dulce Underground facility and possibly gross human rights abuses occurring there. I can now return to the three possibilities mentioned earlier concerning Benowitz's major claims of the existence of the Dulce base, a military conflict having taken place, and extensive human rights having occurred or continuing to occur at the base. The first possibility 
was that the evidence substantiates Benowitz's claims. The second possibility was that Benowitz's claims concerning ET abuses against civilian abductees was disinformation, intended to steer researchers away from the existence of the base and or a military conflict having taken place there. The third possibility was that Benowitz's claims were comprised by disinformation intended to steer UFO researchers away from general sightings of UFOs. In order to determine which possibility is most plausible, I will now consider some of the criticisms made of Benowitz and other claims surrounding the Dulce base. How interesting it would be if Schneider's digging in the hole and showing up. Uh huh. The rescue of the humans and the uh, exchange of weapon or whatever actually all happened simultaneously and nobody knew what actually started the fight. Oh, yeah, because like, like everybody's. <laughs> Everybody's all hush hush with each little operation that's Han going on. shot first, and they all kind of coincide at the same time, so nobody's really sure what kicked it off. Yeah, it's so, just so like the people getting the humans out were like, "Oh shit, the Delta Force is here!" They knew what was going on, and the Delta Force is there just because they're doing the exchange for the weapon. And then Schneider's like, "Holy fuck, there's aliens!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just all happened to just. Because they're three different sides, three of the yeah. four different sides, because everybody's on a need-to-know basis, and then all of a sudden, nobody knows what the fuck is going on, and then there's, there's fucking bullets flying everywhere. I think mean, that's what happens. Just a strange series of coincidences. <laughs> series of unfortunate events. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. Now uh, I'm thinking of like a TV show where it's just like each episode's from a different point of view. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, now we just need the greatest side. Yeah. We need Glork to come down and tell us what his side is. Because apparently in this case, it's not, you know, there's always three sides to a story. This one, there's five sides. You know, there's the, the prison escapee people, the weapon change people, Snyder... The Greys, and then the truth. <laughs> and what if Schneider was secretly working for the resistance, <laughs> yeah. and that and he was tunneling into a way to get into get the back out. door yeah. to get them out? Mm. <laughs> He's trying to go for the back door. What if he worked for the Greys? And that's why he was armed, just in case. What if the job he was... <laughs> hired to do was to make an exit for the resistance to get out but you know he didn't know that he was just hired to blow a hole in the ground yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden he gets there and there's the aliens <laughs> Viva la resistance so many points wars a new hope Dulce wars <laughs> I was telling Dave, I was like, this whole base plays out like a sci-fi movie. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It is, I'm just thinking of like it, making this like a movie like in my head. It, it could very well be a movie. And yeah. There was one documentary I remember watching. I can't find it. I don't know what it was, where I saw it. But they had a bunch of reenactments. <laughs> and the reenactments were very like sci-fi movie-ish. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Unsealed Alien Files. Oh, could have been. But 
I couldn't find it on there when I was looking. So the only documentary I could find was on, I think Amazon Prime. Yeah, and it was a documentary about Schneider. Schneider, and that's where I got the details about. Because a lot of the details are different nowadays. Like some people say it was piano wire. Yeah. Some people can't even agree how many times it was wrapped. Um, the documentary shows autopsy photos, or I guess it wouldn't be crime scene photos, maybe medical examiner photos. Yeah. Uh, they're very graphic. There's like blood on um, the carpet. And, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't show a position the body was in when it was found. Uh, but I've heard he was face down on his wheelchair. I don't know what that means, if he fell over forward or if he was, like, on the floor on his knees with his head in the seat of it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, unless those photos were also, like, reenacted photos. Yeah. I mean, they didn't look like it. Hmm. Well, like, the Unsealed Alien Files is a TV show, so it's, like, 30 minutes, um, hour-long episodes. So it wasn't, like, a super long documentary. Yeah. And from what I remember of it, at first the medical examiner said he had a stroke. Then the autopsy, the person doing the autopsy found the tubing around his neck. And then they. <laughs> he had a stroke, twisted himself in his catheter three times. Three times. Tied a knot. Tied a yeah. I'm sorry, if I'm having a stroke, that's the last thing I'm pulling on. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and, then <laughs> and then after that, they changed it to suicide. Yeah. And there was another thing in the documentary. It was um, there were samples, like blood samples, I think, like urine samples, stuff like that taken of him. And they told his family they would release that to them after a year. And when they show up, you know, 11 months and 30 days later, they say, mm, we don't have anything like that. So they thought that was kind of odd. Interesting. And a well, lot of people I, thought I that was kind of odd. I will give it to whoever did it if it was a <coughs> unaliving that made it look like suicide. At least it's better than that one haunting case that I covered where the guy supposedly shot himself like six times in the head. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah. suicide. <laughs> Damn it! I keep missing! Was he a fucking stormtrooper? <laughs> oh, that would just graze. Oh, yeah. that would just graze. Yeah, I really need to calibrate the side on this thing. <laughs> Was he using a pellet gun? <laughs> fucking nerfed himself to death. I'm, I'm going to fuck this shit up 20 times this time. Maybe I should aim for the soft spot. <laughs> and, uh, I mean... You know, believe it or not, we've only scratched the surface of this rabbit hole. <laughs> we haven't talked about Richard Doty. We haven't talked about... Um, so there'll be another episode. Lawhorn. We haven't talked about... Long, Longhorn Fag Long Foghorn. Any more about <laughs> William Moore and all this. these other people. Fakehouse. Um, Norio... Uh, Harakaya. <laughs> it's President Eisenhower. Although we did talk about oh, yeah. Eisenhower in the, the Eisenhower documents when the, um, it's all in the report. MK, MK not uh, uh, the, the report's just Majestic extensive. Twelve. Yeah. And I copy and pasted the Dose Wars book from the Internet Time Machine. Came out to two hundred and thirty seven pages. Oh wow. 
Now, I will say that I do remember, I don't know if we talked about it on our Majestic 12. Or Majestic, yeah, Majestic 12, right? Or 13. Majestic 12. 12. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we talked about it or not, but appa- uh, supposedly the Majestic 12 were put in charge of Dulce Base. Yeah. And they became... And there was someone who was a former uh, SS officer in charge of, and scientist that was part of MJ-12, and that goes back to... Part of Paperclip. Uh, and paper, paperclip and uh, whichever guy that was, I don't remember. Um, yeah, I got his, some his notes. dad being a member. Yeah. I got some notes if we want to go over it. Well, I just, I just know that they were in charge of it, and supposedly... It was the aliens at Dulce that took mind control over MJ-12, which is when they went to Kennedy and said, we're going to be our own unit now. We're not part of the government. It's after he requested. Yeah. The, yeah. And he was unalived. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that comes from... Oh, I just saw the name. Let me see. Um, oh, it mentions a lot of people in this. In these Dr. Notes. Wolf. <laughs> Yeah, Arch Dr. nemesis Wolf. of Dr. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. <laughs> Arch nemesis <laughs> of, of Professor, Professor Whiskers. Whiskers. <laughs> 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 Professor Whiskers. Dr. Sprinkles has come for their play date. But, but a lot of this was... Because was, everybody's like, well, why would they choose the U.S.? You know, and one of the claims of this was because of the genetic diversity hmm. within our nation is something that can't really be found in China or Russia. I've also heard a lot yeah. of it is the component, the elements and components in, in the mountains of the New Mexico area works perfect for what the aliens need. Oh, yeah. Some yeah. kind of compound in the ground. Um, which is why New Mexico, Colorado, and Nevada are usually the places where these bases are, is because underground is where whatever it is that these alien races need to survive is located. Um, well, the thing is also, if the U.S. has its own secret alien connections, I almost guarantee all the other countries oh do yeah. too. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's. Yeah. We just hear about it because we're <coughs> part. We're in the we're. In the U.S., yes. and that's where the conspiracies think of. But I'm sure there's Russian conspiracy theories of them working with in China, in China, and, and I wonder if German underground alien bases have Americans working for them. Hmm. If they kidnap Americans, <laughs> one day Trump. Well, I think <laughs> we ended. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure theirs now has Germans in it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the reason ours has Germans is because we took German scientists during World War well, <laughs> and brought yeah. them over to work on ours. I just, you know, <laughs> just saying. Uh, one of the things I, I know in China they have those um, those rail systems that um, the bullet trains are powered by like magnets and vacuums and stuff. Which is um, how the trains are supposed in to be this report. In the in this report, when it gets into like where the funding comes from, and it lists all the people that are involved with government contracts and stuff, mm-hmm. it does talk about those train systems. Thomas Casello described them, um, and pretty much he described them just in the same way that 
when China developed them, that's how they worked. It's like how Phil Schneider talks about the tunneling methods where it, like, melts the rock as it goes, so that way you don't have to do any finishing because it, like, cauterizes the sides. That was something that wasn't made public until maybe five or six years ago with our our tunneling capabilities. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a pretty big secret. Yeah. For the well, time. there's just enough truth that is told with these things that makes it believable. Oh, yeah. Which is why it could also be disinformation because exactly. they don't want to put too much fake information in it to make it non-believable. But yeah, yeah we could do a whole other episode just on this <laughs> one report and then probably yeah. stacks and stacks of episodes if we ever revisit this. Montauk 2. Yeah. <laughs> project with the Dulce reports. <laughs> this was the successor to Area 51. Yeah. So it could be it could be our successor to the Montauk project. <laughs> We're about to finish up the book, so you know. Yeah. Gotta move on to something else. I gotta quit getting distracted. <laughs> and we have to get through the books before we get to August because yeah. that's, when uh, that's when it happens. We need to know how to prepare for. I don't know if the books go into that much detail. Because, you know, the timeline matches up. Reconnects with the polarizations of the... But the books of the Montauk Project, they only get us to 95, 96. There's still everything else beyond (laughs) that. Like, Mm. all the Montauk boys that have came forward to describe their experiences. None of that's in the books. The Dulce boys? (laughs) I don't know if there. Hmm. That makes me wonder if there's everyone. Anyone's ever been released? If there's somebody who works in Dulce named Duncan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Schneider. Schneider was talking in one of the interviews I saw. I think it was his initial one. He he did talk about Al Belik. See. <laughs> well, I mean, he was at the conference though. Yeah. Well, see and. I don't know. I'm sure if we dug into enough of the corporations that work there, they're probably owned by Paramount. Oh, <laughs> oh, shoot. I can guarantee you that, that Peter Moon and Duncan and all them asked Schneider about doing any kind of underground drilling at Montauk. Oh, yeah. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the gives get me is this whole Rand Corporation thing, because that's just a, that's the name of a corporation in one of the Marvel... Series. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm like, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, God, they just took this off of it. Like, Maybe, I'll have to look that up, but I know at one point he was talking about, Schneider was talking about an element. It wasn't 115, it was another one that's like, it winds up being carrium, but he called it like cordycium or something. When you look that up, it's something straight out of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, what if? Stan Lee was a time traveler. And the entire Marvel universe is based on what happens after August 2023. I don't want to live in a world like that. <laughs> you know how often the world is destroyed in Marvel Universe? <laughs> you just oh, don't want to live in a big city. The Rand fine. Corporation's real. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. But it just every time I hear the Rand Corporation, I think of Iron Fist and... Danny Rand, who comes back from disappearing and 
takes o- is supposed to take over his family business, the Rand Corporation. Um, there are, there is a list in in this Dulce report, like the funding um, for that and other joint government uh, bases. Um, some of them which get black budget funding. Uh, here the list is EG and G, Westinghouse. Wait, Westinghouse funded is. Westinghouse is who did Montauk. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it was Westinghouse? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was Westinghouse, and Westinghouse was bought by MGM. Okay. Who was then bought by Paramount. Out, yeah. yeah, I haven't cross-referenced any of this. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm these, <laughs> these are just in my notes. It wasn't even on the episode. Okay. Um, McDonnell Douglas. Mm-hmm. Morrison Knutson. <laughs> Wacken Hut Security Systems. <laughs> Wacken Hut. Well, you got to make sure you're safe when you're in your Wacken Hut. It sounds like one of those. Um, That's what I call my bedroom. <laughs> it almost sounds like like a Wayans a Wayans Brothers film. Yeah. <laughs> We're the Wack Security Systems. Uh, Boeing Aerospace, Lorimar Aerospace, Aerospatiale in France, Mitsubishi Industries. They went under. Rider Trucks. They went under. Bechtel, Raytheon, Dencorp, Lockheed Martin, Hughes, Dryden, SAC, plus others. Rider truck? Yeah, rider trucks. What do they benefit? They don't benefit. They fulfill government contracts, and they get paid for them. They haul the stuff. They're part of the, yeah. Did we just link the Oklahoma City bombing? That's it. That's what I was thinking. That's good in my mind. It sounds like rider truck. It's like, wait, that was the Vibora building bombing. Wasn't a rider truck? Was was all that supposed to go to New Mexico? (laughs) Did you? Did y'all see those one one five? Did y'all see those files I found that I put in the drive? There's a there was a case that's going on against um, one of the not one of the survivors but one of the family members of the survivors of the FBI agents and all these documents are coming out from this civil suit and a lot of them mention that there was an investigation into this prior to it actually happening like they suspected the Oklahoma bombing of happening. And they even had, like, the names of the people and all that. Yeah. And they just couldn't do anything because no crimes had been committed up to that point. Mm. And that's part of the reason they started, one of the reasons they started changing laws, especially with the NSA and stuff. Mm. Where. Now you just have to be a suspected terrorist and they can get you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I feel like we need to end now before we start actually uncovering shit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Because we've already had weird shit happen tonight. Because it always happens when we do alien and government cover-up episodes. Um, So, to our listeners, if we disappear, it was not suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Because, yeah, Especially what? if I'm strangled with a catheter. Because <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's part of that suicide pack we were talking about uh, in the last, <laughs> yeah. was it the last episode yeah. or the episode? Well, that's, all, episode. See, that's not smart, because then all everybody has to do is knock one of us off. But, then we all have to <laughs> but that's only in the case of a worldwide catalytic event <laughs> that we don't want to have to survive through, right. like a nuclear fallout <laughs> or... Yeah, so, um, yeah, the Westinghouse thing. I knew it. I knew there was a connection to Montauk <laughs> in this. There just had to be. Um, but, yeah, I think this might actually be a really good follow-up to the Montauks. Yeah. Once we finish out the Montauk books, we might revisit Dulce and all the secret underground tunnels. Secret yeah, let me let me find that real quick. It'll only take a second. What? Find what? The Westinghouse in the. Because I remember looking up Westinghouse because I was thinking, um, the company that used to sell all the CDs and stuff. I was just thinking that as well. But it's not that company. That company was. Columbia. Columbia House. <laughs> Not even close to any oh. of this. They're probably complicit too, Lou. <laughs> I'm sure they were bought by MGM too. They were bought by somebody, I am guarantee it. But yeah, I had to look it up because we were talking about Westinghouse and I was like, that sounds so familiar. And then I was like, oh, we have a Westinghouse TV at the shop. Yeah, it takes forever for this document to load because... It's so long. Oh God, my notes on the Montauk Project are... I could probably write a whole book. They're like 400 pages. It was in the last episode we did. Okay, it was about the RFID tags then. Mm -hmm. And the patent for it was filed by Westinghouse, who bought CPS and all that. Okay. Yeah, which changed its name to Paramount Global. Yep. This was the one that um, a quarter of U.S. or... A third of U.S. patents are filed by Westinghouse. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. We've uncovered the secret. I now believe. Like, now I don't have a, a inkling of doubt. Now that we've connected Montauk and Dulce, they both happen. I think they're both still happening. Because what what is Montauk but a whole bunch of underground tunnels and bases? So, and I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot to the disinformation of that. Yeah. Because there was so much disinformation spread about Area 51, and when the truth of it comes out, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see why they were trying to keep all the aerospace stuff under wraps, and we're fine with people talking about aliens there. Yeah. As long as they weren't talking about what they were really up to. So what else could they be doing at, or what else could they have been doing at Dulce Base at this time? Working on these tunneling systems to that can cauterize the edges like that. That would have been a big deal. Um, Biological chemical warfare. Yeah, yeah, in the nineties, absolutely. Um, That's when we developed a lot of it. What those supersonic weapons? Yeah. Could it just be some kind of Hadron Collider down there? Yeah. Because 
it wasn't until the early 2000s when they built the one in Sweden and were pretty public about it. Yeah. And I know the I know our uh I know there's companies in the US here that say we have smaller versions of them. Hmm. Who knows? But I love the conspiracy. Yeah. Maybe something we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. Which is why it's still secret. Yeah. But it's connected to Denver. It is. Which is connected to Norman. Which is connected to Area 51 and Area 52. Where's Area 52? We covered that in an episode. Yeah. Oh, did we? Uh, I don't remember. It was in New Mexico, I think. Was it Dulce Base? No, it was another. It was an Air Force base or whatever where the guy went missing. It was the missing 411. Yeah. We found out oh. about it, and so then I talked about it a little bit. Oh, yeah. When his car was found facing the base but open but he wasn't in it and no yeah. tracks or anything i remember that one well thank you dave yes thank you now you oh. my mind all boggled and absolutely <laughs> now i'm gonna have to decompress and uh government you can stop listening we promise we will not share the actual truth secrets that we've discovered um oh wait we have only thing we've discovered is where cows Professor Swit Whiskers, Doctor Sprinkles, Sprinkles, and Doctor Wolf, and Doctor Wolf. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually just his real name. It's actually just a human. But Sprinkles is a cat, and it's Stalin's head, and Whiskers is Hitler's head on a guinea pig. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to get a guinea pig and call him Doctor Whisker, or Professor Whiskers. <laughs> and I, I hope he has a little brown black. <laughs> 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 You're just gonna have to shop pet stores until you find him. <laughs> and I want a cat named Doctor Sprinkles. Doctor Sprinkles. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Kylie, for joining us. Yeah. You are a great chuckle box. Um, I know probably most of this went over your head, but I'm sure you got a lot of it. Uh, I'm going to raise them up into conspiracies. <laughs> now, um, you know, conspiracies and conspiracy thought can become very dangerous. It I mean, be. look what happened with Benowitz. With it. Look what mm-hmm. happened with the fellow that stormed the pizza place. Look at the people that stormed the Capitol. Yeah. You know, you you got to be... Yeah, you have to know when to call it quits. Yeah, yeah. You, you got that's uh, most of it's just entertaining, and most of it is just disinformation because well, they'd rather us be talking about this goofy stuff than what's actually happening, what yep. they're actually up to. Well, and I also I like to live in this little world that ignorance is bliss, yeah. and I don't want to know everything. Yeah. I'm fine with being left in the dark with about some things. There are certain things that I just don't need to know about. There's times I know information that I make a conspiracy theory up just to not be so dark. Like, <laughs> you hear things, you're like, you learn information, and I'm like, uh, I'm yeah, going to change this to make this funny. Cause but then weird things start happening, like we start linking them all up. Yeah. <laughs> like the incubation chambers, <laughs> like <Lied>. the swastika. <laughs> like- well, we also got to remember, like... Especially in the 90s. It's like the same 50 guys that are on all these conferences all over the... Like Al Bielek and Peter Moon and Schneider and Wolf. And 
so a lot of their stories coincide just because they all around each other and they together. know each other and you think Alistair's Crowley's head's on something down in the base? <laughs> they find... I fucking hope not. They, they find <laughs> synchronicities in each other's stories. Oh, yeah. Know? His rude might be on something now. <laughs> <laughs> they sick his rude on Mr. Whistler. Mr. Whistler. Don't do it. Do not do it to my creation! And his ro- and the rose is on um, Dr. Sprinkles, which is really just a big problem. <laughs> You ruined my creations. All right, so I lied about the Alistair Crowley part. Okay, your part's still real. Well, I'm not saying it's real. I'm still calling it my creation, and they're totally not sensitive to anything out there. Oh. <laughs> and then there's the Babylon working and Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard who Jack opened Parsons the gateways. Project. All right, so cryptid battle undercard, three hundred <laughs> episode. Sprinkles and whiskers have to go at it. <laughs> what about? All right, and they have to fight inside of a maze. <laughs> <laughs> on one end, there's catnip. On the other end, there's cheese. I don't know what guinea pigs eat. I've never owned a guinea pig. I've never had a guinea pig. Guinea pig, I don't know. pig pellets. Nuts and shit? <laughs> <laughs> if you have a guinea pig, Drywall. let us know what they eat so that we can make sure we have that in the maze. Um, now, guinea pigs are just like genetically experimented on like mice and stuff, aren't they? No, guinea, pigs guinea pigs are, are an actual creature. They're their own thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what? what is a gerbil and a hamster? A gerbil is more of a mouse rodent. Okay. A hamster is more of a mini guinea pig. Okay, so they're they're probably the ones that's the result of uh, interbreeding or something, huh? Uh, well, no. I mean, there's wild hamsters <coughs> and there's wild guinea oh, pigs. Oh, is there? Yeah. I had to look this up because I Think of like, like a capybara, like the look of them mm-hmm. in a miniature version is like a guinea pig. Yeah. Okay. They're cute. They're little fluffies. Because I know most rodents like that have tails, but guinea they're, pigs guinea and pigs. hamsters both don't. Guinea so. pigs are like... Winter fluffy, yeah. On like a rat. Body. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. They're like little rabbits without ears. Yeah, they're pretty cute. Yeah, and without they're long stinky, feet, but they're cute. <laughs> so stinky. Most rodents are stinky. I don't even know how to spell yeah. I'm not a huge fan of rodent pets, but I always, I th- I always thought Chad they were Whisker, Professor Whiskers. Maybe I just thought they were modified because people always describe, like when they're talking about laboratory settings like guinea pigs and like they're going to be the guinea pig for my experiment <laughs> so why why did that become a term do you i wonder know? if they were used as science they were yeah the guinea they pigs are very commonly used for and that's one thing i kind of have save to the guinea say pigs. for the humans that are being used as guinea pigs yeah kind of like karma yeah I'm not saying that those people use tested things on rodents and animals and stuff, but we as a human society do it. And that's probably why it seems so plausible to us, like the RFID chips being inserted into humans, because we do that kind of stuff to animals. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of some of our guilt with how we treat the other creatures on our 
living earth. Possibly. And that's why it seems so plausible to us. It's like, well, if we would do that, then of course a, another sentient race would do that to us. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't. They definitely do it to the animals here. No, I was like, are you getting ready to purchase a guinea pig? What? All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to like us, follow us, and all that fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. Um, Also, don't forget to check out Raven's Last Oath. You can find them on Discord. There will be a link in the description. It is a friendly, supportive gaming community um, with a focus on raising awareness for mental health and cancer research. And on the next episode. I will give you more details on Babylon Rising, which takes place in June of 2023. Check out my Etsy store on <laughs> link is in the description. <laughs> it's Sweet Magic by Amy. You can use promo code Paranormalcy when you check out and get free shipping in the United States. Also, don't forget to check out Parabox Monthly. Use the link in the description of this show to get um, to give us credit. Promo code paranormalcy at checkout to get 10% off your first order. Tonight I am wearing Old Western Crib District. It's got a really cool skeleton chick on it. Oh, like Sugar Skull. Yeah. 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 Jerome, Arizona. Genuine hot. Hey, we happen to be in that area. All right. So. <laughs> I think that's going to completely do it for this night's episode. So until next time. Keep tunneling. No! (laughs) Mr. Whisker. No! (laughs) Unearthing Paranormalcy is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com.